Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com/tapiphone. Hello, how are you doing there? Uh, welcome back. You made it back to uh, episode nine? No, ten, eleven. I don't know what episode this is, and I just turned my computer off so it wasn't so loud on the recording. So I'm not going to turn it back on to then tell you whatever episode it is. You know what episode it is. Anyway, ramble. Just that. Just straight in. Thirty seconds. Dan rambling. But yeah, thank you everyone for coming back. It's been going really well. I'm really happy for you all. <laughs> happy for you all. <laughs> like this is good for you people. What are you calling you people, Dan? Um, I'm really happy personally for how well it's been going and stuff. I feel like I took a bit of a risk. You know, I didn't know if people would want to listen, and uh, you do, which is beyond me. So, this week's guest, musician, who uh, I first heard about maybe 15 years ago. Maybe is that is it really that long? Um, I used to knock about at a club. It wasn't a club. It was a night called Cracked at the Rising Sun, which was like IDM and breakcore and experimental shenanigans. <laughs> I nearly said shenanigans again, didn't I? And、uh, it was just an inspiring night for me. And it's it's probably the early seeds of me getting into music、uh, as a performer. I was always into music, but you know what I mean. And Tim's name was one of those. I haven't even said his name yet. Yeah. I'll just call him Tim.、Uh, Tim's name was one that was always bandied around as someone to get to see if you got the chance. So roll forward this many years, and I got to get him on the podcast. So yeah, this week it's Tim Exile, music producer, but more recently he is like a crazy tech man, making really really interesting instruments for native instruments, which I use. Also making、uh, virtual instruments that、uh, he sells off his own site, but this isn't just your run-of-the-mill. This synth goes bloop bloop. This is finding a new sound, finding something maybe you hadn't thought of before. So it was an honour to get to talk to him. The music you're hearing right now, in fact, is made 
using entirely his new project, which is called Endless. Three S's. You can find that at endless.fm. And I wanted to show you it, but I didn't want to show you like a fully finished, completely produced version of what it can do. Because uh, I don't think that's the truth of things. If I'd taken it all into my computer after the fact and EQ'd everything and edited and all that, it would have just been a little bit of a lie. So what you're hearing is while I was on the tube, basically. So this is <laughs> all the journeys I, I take to get to podcasts. And there's been a lot in the last few weeks. I'll pull out my phone and I'll, I'll just have a little, a little play with myself on the tube. We'll go into more detail about what the app is in the podcast, but what you're hearing now is all made in Endless. The only thing I've done is thrown it into my computer so I can arrange it a little bit so it feels more song-shaped. It's pretty inspiring stuff, considering I'm doing this just on the tube, rammed in with sweaty businessmen looking at me going, what the is that guy doing why is he pressing his phone why is he why is he moving his fingers around um but yeah you can loop and chop and just play with sounds and this isn't a perfect track by any means it's, it's nowhere near finished by any means but as you you listen from what you can hear under my rambling there's definitely ideas that are worth following and yeah, no, it's the it's the app that sort of got me back into making music after a long, a long few months where I just didn't want to. Uh, so I, if Tim's listening, I don't know if he's going to listen to his own voice, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't listen to my own voice. But yeah, I got to thank Tim for that. We don't just talk about tech this episode. We talk about Buddhism and uh, mental health again. Um, but it's another good. One. I think, I personally think is another good one, but that's for you lot to decide. If you want to get hold of Endless the app, um, it's in beta at the moment, so it's free, you're not having to pay anything, but there are a few caveats to it, it's iOS only at the moment, because Android doesn't handle audio as well as iOS does, so just one platform at a time makes a hell of a lot of sense. And there's a bit of an install process. But if you do want it, the tweet that brought you here on my Twitter, at Dan Lassac, there'll be a link to it in the thread of that. And that will link you into a jam and it will take you through how to get it on. Also, I'll make my fortnightly podcast, it's out now, post on Patreon public. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Lassac, it should be the top post there, whether you're a Patreon or not. It'll have the link in there and you can get in the jam. Um, everyone who signs up for that link will get into the same same jam, same little area, so you can all collaborate together on making noise, or you can just hit the jam solo button, so you can do it all privately as you, you learn how to make... I, I think they're called fire beats. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I was relevant. Uh, <laughs> I might even jump in the jam you lot are in and like remix and play with what you've made. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. And talking about Patreon, thank you again to everyone who supports on there. Uh, it does mean a lot. Like, 
it does make it a lot easier for me to go and travel to people and actually talk face to face. Uh, is there anything else I need to say? I feel like I've said a lot. I'll, I'll talk to you in, in a minute once we've finished the uh, pod, hey? Why don't we just have a listen to me and Tim having a, a little chat about everything? Basically, this one covers a lot, and I hope you enjoy it. Wait, wait. I forget every single time to ask you to hit the subscribe button or the like button and things. It's because I'm bad at my job. Anyway, on with the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I know. <laughs> we can rerun it. I thought you were recording it. I no, that. no. Be a nice little intro. Are you, I have to say it. You know, it's rude not to say. Mm. Like, oh, I'm recording now. You can stop being racist. Oh, no. But I thought I wanted to... <laughs> you were going to be racist. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> FYI, listeners who, were, who weren't listening when we were not recording, uh, Dan's task for this podcast is to frame me as being incredibly racist. Incredibly but racist. Just by editing. Just... <laughs> But against all races equally, because that's equality. Yeah, I mean, can you be racistist? <laughs> the racist est. The racist est. <laughs> you could easily well, be the racist est. I'm probably more the racistist est. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the racistist est. There are more people who. There are people who are more racist. I reckon anyway, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a job now being racist. Like it's yeah. a, a valid career path yeah. at yeah. the moment. Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? A racist YouTuber. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. It's a good future. Yeah, it's bright. The future's I'm, yeah. bright. The future's YouTube. I'm glad we're going to... Orange tube. You know, die in about 40 <laughs> years. We've got about 40 years left, haven't we? Before people start just exploding in flames or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's also kind of roughly coterminous with the end of our lives. It's natural <laughs> end of our lives anyway, so uh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I keep thanking my mum. Well done. Well yeah, done. good. Great ten, timing. Ten Great years timing. later and that would have sucked. <laughs> So that's a cheery way to start a yeah. podcast. Armageddon. So Armageddon. <laughs> we started Armageddon. And Which isn't backwards. a bad movie. Uh, no, it's not. Oh, I've got, <laughs> I, I got it. It's the Bruce Willis com- one. Right, yeah, yeah. You see, I, I got confused for a moment with Apocalypse Now. 
which I often get. <laughs> which is also a good movie, but it's a great movie. It's an awesome movie. I, it's a long and painful movie. I remember being like fifteen and going having to read Heart of Darkness. Yeah, no, I never I never read it. I had to at school. Oh right. Is that English lit? Yeah. Which is it's weird. I never really think about the fact that we separate the technical and the creative side of, of English. I was I was kind of like inter- not external, but I always internally poured a bit of scorn on the idea that there's like you study English language. Well, like didn't you nail that when you were like six? Six, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose we can. This leads to you because you what nailed language when I was six? <laughs> you nailed language when you were six. No, um, the separation between the technical and the creative. What mm. you've spent the last decade or more doing is mm. trying to fuse them back together the making the technical work for you in a creative way yeah and then get out of your way so you can yeah i think that's that's the thing it's like yeah, yeah getting getting out of the way um but it's kind of it's almost like it's just that's kind of how life is really mm. um you know technology is basically admin mm. and creativity is kind of life Musical spreadsheets. Musical spreadsheets, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, and I think for me, like, I've I found, um, I often found the experience of making music with existing, existing tech was, you know, just very admin heavy. Mm. Um, which basically meant that you just have to, you had to do, you'd have to do a lot of learning and a, and a lot of kind of making things disappear between the sort of subconscious conscious mm. boundary. Um, in order to get into some kind of flow state, and I mean, I, I do, you know, I do remember um, getting kind of into the flow state using Pro Tools, like you know, like tw- twenty or so years ago. Um, you know, when I when I kind of got to grips with all the key commands and stuff, and I get yeah. into this real micro editing stuff. Um, but it was a very, it's a very weird kind of hidden flow state, mm. and it just, I think, since then, you know, it's not that it's not that I didn't get kind of creative enjoyment or fulfillment out of doing that it was just that it was just like bloody hell i took did it really need to take that long to get to that point yeah and also did it really need to take so long when you're at that point to execute the stuff that you were doing you know Mm. so for for you listening what what we mean by a flow state is is that point at which while you're creating something it happens. You know how, how people say like, or oh, it just, it just, the song was already in me and it came out or, you know, I'm mm. revealing the sculpture yeah, that's already in the granite sort of thing. It's that, that point at which you're not having to actively think, what do I do next? And yeah, the ability to do that. And you've built, um, you're quite well known for having built a big digital machine called the flow machine that yeah. lets you do that live. Yeah, and yeah. Create from that point. Yeah, um, that's it. That was the goal. Yeah, that was the goal. Yeah. Um, how many? How long has it taken you to build that machine, though, the flow machine? Uh, well, I think the first. <coughs> I mean, it kind of it kind of ran in um, iterations. So, I mean, the first the first like proper live live noodling instrument that that I made that was well wh- by that I mean basically a. Uh, um, a reactor patch reactor is this kind of digital modular patching environment that I kind of program everything in and um, mapped to a, a sort of hardware MIDI controller that you can plug into this thing. So you have this kind of experience of, you know, you're hitting hitting buttons 
yeah. and moving faders. Um, and what you're doing is kind of uh, both like live and unplanned enough and sort of fully fleshed out enough in terms of like the sound that comes out to kind of count as some sort of complete live performance. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's kind of, that's like the minimal thing of some sort of live performance instrument or electronic music live performance instrument. And the first, the first one I did of those, that was like 2003. Um, but I mean, that was, that was super basic. I was still yeah. kind of learning my programming chops then. Um, but then kind of iterated that. And then like 2004, 2005 was the first one. That was when I first, doing, first started doing like proper, proper gigs and stuff. Yeah. And that's when I started getting like booked to do these shows. Um, and then that one, that, that kind of evolved over well from like 2003 to kind of 2007 2008 maybe and 2007 I kind of like kind of started to mothball it and you know bin it and work on the now the new flow machine which is like completely rebuilt from scratch Mm. like completely new concepts I kind of learned all the stuff that all the kind of um cul-de-sacs that (laughs) that I I wouldn't have known about that I had to make the first one yeah to, to learn about um so, so I had a list of cul-de-sacs that I wanted to make a machine that didn't uh, leave didn't me, leave, leave me you in that corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that <clears throat> that was um, that was much less kind of iterative. So that that had a much more. I kind of you know I just made this entire design of the thing that I was going to build, and it probably took me about. I mean, it wasn't full time because I was writing an album. I was writing yeah, I was writing an album at the same time. Mm. So I was like writing an album. And making the flow machine, and I did both of those kind of in parallel over about two so years. Would Cabaret Lounge be the first iteration of the flow machine? Yes, and then Listening Tree be second iteration. Or yeah, or although listen, the, so Cabaret Lounge was um, was literally like um, sort of stereo out recordings of live shows I did yeah. with the first flow machine. So if you you jump onto Spotify, listeners people and listen to Gabriel Lounge that's live that's all happening in the moment yeah uh, Tim's clearly drunk yeah no this uh, got, it's pretty and raucous and it's anarchic it's anarchic yeah yeah <laughs> to go from listening to Gabriel Lounge to listening tree in a day so okay. while I was doing my research and stuff I'm duh, 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 listening through and yeah like 2006 was Gabriel Lounge but yes. obviously that's a collection of stuff that happened in the years preceding it. Yeah, I mean, most of that was recorded 2005. I kind yeah. of edited it together, I think it was like end of 2005. Um, and then it came out 2006, I think. Like, it's, but it's like a really sweaty album. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really punk. Yeah. It's kind of, it's angry, it's like, yeah. It was, but, it's, a, it's a therapy album, well, like, as all albums are. Whereas for me, I don't know, I don't know if they are for you, but like... There's always some... Everything's catharsis. Yes. Every time I do anything, open my mouth, anything that goes into the world is me trying <laughs> yeah. to get rid of something. Yeah, 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 than... yeah. No, um, it's totally... Yeah. But like, it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting because it feels like Gabriel Lounge was this sweaty moment in your life where oh. you were just having fun yeah. and then Listening Tree feels like uh, more shimmering. It feels like you've got a nice suit on. Yeah, did nice, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's almost like you've gone from ketamine to cocaine. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I laughs> to mean, a certain yeah, extent. Yeah. But like ketamine to prosecco. <laughs> to prosecco. Was that an active choice to do a more for a first time listener? Mm. 
cabaret lounge might be quite scary. Yeah. Whereas listening tree, what? Oh, it's got singing on it. I get. Oh, it's got this. Oh, there's a an actual melody there. Yeah. And stuff. Was that an active choice? Was that? Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty premeditated. I mean, I'd go as far as to say it was too premeditated. Mm. Um, I mean, it's that. You know, when I listen back to the album, it sounds something. It's. I wouldn't. Yeah. There's there's something a bit like I was definitely trying to. I mean, it was a weird, it was a weird time, you know. I was I was kind of you know I was in my twenties. I'd I'd done that whole like, you know, I finally you know I had I had a delayed teenhood. You know, mm. I sort of did the stuff that um, I should have done when I was like fourteen, fifteen, when I was twenty five. And uh, obviously, if you do that later, it becomes a bit more kind of mm. sparky. Um, so and the the Gabrielle Lounge was definitely like that happening. It was like, it was my kind of teenage rebellion, rebellion happening ten years too late. Um, or did no, not too late. Just ten years late. It was what it was. Just, yeah, happening it's just when you had happening got, when, it, when it had to happen. To yeah, yeah. Um, and then listening tree was, um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, listening tree was was a I don't know, try, kind <laughs> of trying to do the opposite thing. Yeah, you know, trying to trying to show like, oh, okay, now I'm the opposite of anarchic. I'm I'm going to write like, uh, you know, radio friendly, radio friendly pop. You know, I'm sort of prove. I mean, they're both kind of like some attempt at trying to prove myself. But it's a weird thing. Like, it's kind of, you know, weirdly, it's, that's another angle on probably why I got into um, improv, which is, um, I hope I'm not jumping the gun on some of your questions, but... Um, questions? That, questions? Right, written random words. On <laughs> we do, I mean, you do paper. see, you've got, you've got an impressive notebook of... I hold the things. pen. <laughs> I don't already use it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... Basically, whenever, whenever I get, whenever you, whenever I'm given like a, a sort of kind of unlimited amount of time to uh, to second, third, fourth, fifth guess what I'm doing, I just get in, I just get monumentally stuck up my own ass, mm. um, and 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 I start getting either yeah either kind of like a you know anarchic and re- and rebellious or sort of like smug and obsequious and you know sort of high horsey yeah or some kind of weird personality it sort of feels like what's really cool about improv is that um all this stuff comes and go you know you're pretty naked like mm. you can't you can't sort of make a conscious decision to kind of massage some kind of idea of who you are was that drive to improvise partly being in that break Corey idm kind yeah. of scene and i think Different people in the the scene, especially around like the early two thousands, going into sort of two thousand and five ish, there were some people who were putting a hell of a lot more effort in than it, others. Yeah, yeah. So like, could it felt like everyone was trying to be so different that a lot of people ended up sounding the same. So yeah, was that improvisation, that need to do that, a way of differentiating yourself from everyone else? Yeah, I think I think well, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely some of that, that you know, sort of wanting to differentiate myself, wanting to stand out, um, you know, wanting to. Well, I guess also because because it was kind of hard to do. You know, mm. it was it was hard to learn how to program this stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, it took quite a lot of time and um, stuff. So I guess you know, well, a lot of, you know, well, a lot of my sort of contemporaries were you know like sort of moving breaks around in Cubase and kind of sampling like finding trashy songs to sample 
you know, I, I also did some of that, but I, I think I kind of, you know, my smug side was like, well, I'm going to teach myself how to program. Mm. I'm going to program machines that allow me to do this live. I mean, it, you know, it's this weird uh, sort of like psychological ecosystem. I mean, I'm a, ma- you know, a massive narcissist. I've always, you know, my parents are, oh, I hope they're not listening, but, uh, you know, they're very... Well, I know. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's a very nice way to put it. I mean, my, my parents are very, um, uh, you know, achievement and status, not necessarily financial, but more like your sort of academic, you know, just being yeah. good, being incredible, being outstanding has always been very important to them. So, you know, like they, 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 you know, they, they put themselves, probably, the, you know, the family through a lot of sort of hardship to send me to boarding school, you know, mm. it's, it's stuff like that. So that, that kind of stuff is important to them. So, you know, you inherit that. The, uh, you picked up the violin at five. Was that yeah. your parents, like, you should play an instrument? Weirdly, um, well, so my mum says that that was actually, um, apparently that was the first thing I said yes to. You know, we had this little, like, mm-hmm. carbon copy note from the school, like, does your son slash daughter want to learn to play the violin? Um, and my mum opened it, looked at me, said, "You don't want to play the violin, do you?" And I was just like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah, of course I want to play the violin." Why do you? Why would you assume I wouldn't want to play the violin? Ask. <laughs> um, but that I think that sentiment lasted probably six hours or so, <laughs> uh, and uh, and then I was, you know, and then I was playing the violin, and then it was a massive fight, and then it did, and then it did become, you know, a bit, it was my sort of it's got my mum's cause celebre, you know, me playing the violin and. Pride and pride, yeah, yeah, all that yeah. pride stuff. It, it's just an interesting one because obviously a lot of people our age would have gravitated towards guitars, you know mm. that, you know, and it's kind of you brought the violin through into performance as well later down the line. Uh, Did you? No, no. I, I think no. I always associate um, Zan Lyons. Oh, the right. fact that he does it yeah. with you. Yeah, no, I never did. I never did. I sort of, again, it was kind of part of that sort of angry teen, late teen, 25-year-old mm. rebellion. It's just like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, not, not picking up the violin. I mean, I still have, I still have my old violin. Mm. It's, it's probably in a, it's, I don't even know if the, like, the <laughs> strings are still there. Yeah. You know, it might even just be a sort of pile of dust now. But, yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I haven't picked it up. I, yeah. And no, you don't want to. But you would have picked it up if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, you know, often when I'm, when I'm kind of pitching Endless and pitch, you know, this kind of stuff, the thing that I often open up um, is that the sort of opening gambit is, you know, my first musical experience was the violin and I loved playing the violin because I did actually, you know, I did kind of partly love, at least partly love playing mm. the violin. And I love playing the violin because, uh, you know, I could put my bow on the string, wiggle my body, sound, come, sound and music comes out and when I stop wiggling my body, the music stops coming out. So, mm. you know, it's music as a verb, music as something you do, music as an activity. Um, and uh, and that was that was the element of the violin that I loved. Um, and, you know, now what, you know, well, all my time really goes into sort of trying to make that a reality for the modern electronic sound world um, and for, you know, a lot of other people and not just me mm. to be able to do that. You bring up the point of a lot of other people. Um you have a fairly unique sound. The the way you create sounds is is different to other people. It's like because you're programming, because you're building your own bespoke tools, mm. that leads you to building things that are aren't just the obvious. Hey, I've got an analog synth here, and it sounds like mm. most other analog synths. But you've put those in the world. 
you know, mm. there's, I, I find it really interesting. Like musicians spend a lot of time trying to craft their sound mm. and that's a private thing. That's, well, this is, I sound like me, mm. you know, why would I give the world the ability to sound like me? Whereas with your VST plugins for native instruments and then the ones you're selling on your site and now endless, mm. you're giving people the opportunity to, to do something that previously maybe only you or only a limited people could do. Yeah. What's the question though, Dan? I've just made a statement. Um, how do you feel about that difference between like sharing and selfishness? Like, cause you could, you could, monetize the flow machine like you haven't released a, an album in a long while mm -hmm. but you could be releasing albums that people are like how does he do that and building from there and not giving yeah. the world it yeah um but i i mean i've i don't know maybe it's my kind of perfectionist but i mean i've got um i probably got like 20 or 30 albums worth of recordings of the flow machine yeah um I mean, there wouldn't be twenty. You know, none of them would be outstanding. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you could. Maybe you could yeah. get some. No, to be fair, you probably I probably get could get maybe three or four like pretty pretty nice mm. albums. I mean, they're they're not gonna you know they're not gonna kind of like change the world of music forever, but you know, decent albums. And I've got a few. I've probably got like ten, twenty or so tracks that I've edited down from recordings I've made from the Flow Machine. So you know, I probably could put an album together if you know if if I wanted to, but I. Um, there's, yeah, it's just not, I think, you know, I do like weirdly nowadays, now I've like totally dedicated my, uh, um, all my days to, um, making improv a thing, making it fun, making it collaborative and making it something that like loads of people can do at, you know, at a certain kind of scale. Um, I'm actually, I do weirdly fantasize more about making albums again <laughs> and I've got all these ideas. But the thing, the thing is like my fantasy is, um, so, you know, I spent 15 years developing technology for improv and, and now I actually fantasize. I've got a whole, um, I've got a whole, like, I've got notebooks of, um, kind of ideas and, and stuff for basically a, a new kind of composing environment basically. Yeah. That that will be like, I mean that's that's kind of my next next thing. project. That's yeah. I mean you know we're talking like many years uh, I think, but um, but yeah. So, but yeah, to come back to the original question about what you know how how do I feel about that? I mean, you know the re the really honest naked truth about it is probably like where do you get your your, your cash and your recognition from? Mm. Um, because you know if I go back 10, 12 years. I, you know, I've, 12 years ago when my bread and butter was from the live shows and making albums, there was like, you know, I was like any other musician um, for whom that is the case. I was very protective about my sound. Yeah. Um, and I didn't give any of my software away. I was, you know, I was actually active. I remember um, I did this feature for Native Instruments in 2005 about the first kind of flow machine thing called the Key Masher. Mm. And they wanted me to do a kind of demo version release. And I, and I kind of, I basically like deleted all the labels and mangled everything up so you couldn't actually understand, so you couldn't unpick it. <laughs> I actually went to effort. To, and, and, you know, it was probably my biggest lesson in like public relations is don't do, I don't did, do that. I, I did like for, um, 
when me and Pip released Logic Chance, I had this, I had uh, computer music or future music, one of those, mm. come to my house at the time. Um, and they like spend an hour in the studio and we, we mm. chatted and I spent like the whole day before like putting synths on stands and, mm. and just making it look like an actual studio, not just the yeah. weird, cause I, if I wanted to use a synth, it was lent against the wall before yeah. and I'd drag it out and, and then when they were asking me about production techniques, so I was like, oh yeah, I use this reverb and all, all this <laughs> and that. I was like, no, I just use the generic shit in Ableton and turn the knobs until it set, sounds right, you know? Yeah. Wanting to look like you know what you're doing, but yeah. you do know what you're doing. The reason why yeah. someone's listening to your music is because you know what you're doing. But yeah, I felt like I had to lie to be, you know, I'm a real yeah. musician. Not, yeah. Not this shambling mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that whatever you end up doing, you know, whatever kind of creative endeavor you end up doing, there's there's always some kind of area of stuff where there's an element of paranoia about someone stealing a march on you or mm. like doing your idea and doing it better and all that kind of stuff. Really, that kind of leads to to endless in a sense because mm. we haven't we've mentioned it, but we haven't said what it is. Uh, endless is a, a collaborative improvisational environment looper synth drum machine social choppy social, social choppy social thing <laughs> it's an app for making music and you can make that music with other people online at the same time yeah 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 um and i mean that's that's what that's what it is now where, where it's sort of where it'll end up is still is probably the community will decide that you yeah to a certain extent i think it's it's a yeah but um no i've forgotten the point now I segued into because of something you said, and then it. Uh, then or it... people stealing a march on you. But yeah, so yeah, yeah. obviously you're building this app and this yeah. environment. But is is there any fear there that someone Native Instruments Cork will come and, along and go? Yeah, it's it's weird. It, it's probably you know as as a as a genuine threat. It's probably more real than than it is as an artist. Because basically, as an artist with your own sound, there is zero threat. Mm. to someone coming along and stealing your sound that it's like any um idea that that you have about that is is uh, is just unfounded mm. and what what other artists can do is maybe come along and be a bit more savvy about their marketing and be you know be a bit more tuned into their audience and yeah. or or do something get some other stuff right but in terms of like that's the last thing you have to worry about as an artist you know as a as a as a business as a you know as a startup with a new um, you know, we're a sort of challenge. We're a challenger music tech mm. product, um, and you know, I know. Uh, you know, I do feel confident that there's a bunch of good ideas in there that that have been like developed and tested over, you know, twenty twenty years or so of R and D, and now sort of three or four years of actual actually building a yeah. code base. But the th I mean, the thing is that I mean, for so let's say let's say you know, some really big like you know, Native or um, or Ableton or even Apple, if they wanted to come. Mm come along and um, take what we've done and make their own thing. I mean, yeah, they, they, they could. Um, but, you know, we, there, there are a lot of advantages of being this little kind of like David to the glass of yeah. this world that, you know, we're... Um, well, firstly, we're taking a massive risk. Um, and, uh, you know, because it is... I mean, you know, I'm, I, I feel really confident and what's happened in the, in the first couple of months of the beta has kind of proved that we're definitely 
we're really onto something. So um, you, how how far into the beta are you now? So two, uh, two months, pretty much to the to the day. To actually. the day. Yeah. And what you were way over a thousand. Like yeah, yeah, we've got like, over, over a thousand sign, uh, signups and installs. Yeah, 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 and it's really, yeah, it's really, it's really growing. And we're not even, um, you know, you can't. And that's still just word of mouth, really. <laughs> it's all, it's all word of mouth. You know. I mean, it's like over eighty percent. I mean, the the sort of installs we've got are over eighty percent organic. You mm. know, people people who've just uh, been recommended it by friends. And the thing is that you because you have to have an invitation, you have to have a link mm. to to get it. And there are some kind of like secret public links well not secret there are some public links around on the internet but yeah you can't just find it and and, mm. and get it so it's all word of mouth but you know we're still we're in the beginning we were growing uh, like you know like 10 20 percent a day mm. by word of mouth you know it's kind of it's tail off a bit now um but it's still you know like one one to two you'll, you'll because you're going word of mouth though you'll have those spikes like um Success for any creative endeavor is is often comes through outside influence. Like yeah. it only takes like a, um, a big YouTuber to come along and turn around and go, "Hey, check this out." Yeah, you know, it only works if if the product's good in the first place. Yeah, well, I and, think and we we're like not to believe that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm also really clear that <coughs> we're we're nowhere near there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it. You know, it's. Uh, you know, you have to download the test flight. I mean, you know, test flight alone, probably we lose like 50% of our mm, um, people through yeah. just like, don't like test flight. Um, but, uh, and, uh, and then the accounts, th- I mean, you know, the accounts thing, the, the app is kind of buggy. Um, there's still a whole bunch of like backend data stuff. Sell it, Tim. Sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is, uh, this is just, I mean, it's just like, uh, uh, yeah, no, you're right. No, but <laughs> but this this is like you know just talking you, really frankly about where where we're at. You know, one on you know just to kind of like put this in context, we we're also like basically we, we have a whole bunch of technical humps to get over, which we should do at the mm. phase we're at. This is why we're in, this is why we're in beta. Yeah. Um, to to work out what these problems are. Well, it's kind of two you know it's two things. We want to work out what the problems are, what the bugs are, like how to scale the technology because it, it's you know this is like challenger outside of tech mm. that no one's done before um you know we're using we're using kind of like database database frameworks that aren't really designed for for this and yeah. we, you know it, it's outside of stuff um but it's also an outsider use case so uh, and it's a you know it's what well in kind of startup world it's what you call white spacing mm. where you're actually you know we're sort of doing an ipad you know we're I trying cut to that create into racism <laughs> <laughs> now, now yeah. Oh no! Oh no! I set myself up for it. Um, so, um, so yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it makes sense that it's it's kind of like buggy. We've got loads of problems because this is why we're in beta to mm. identify those problems. But then the flip side, pretty much every day. Well, every every day there's someone who uses it more than six hours, mm. and most days there's someone who uses it for ten hours. Yeah, it's insane the amount of time that once people kind of like get into the rabbit hole. They are. They just use it and use it and use it, and the and the community. You know, we've already got like I'd say there's like twenty diehard users mm. who who are on you know like every day without fail, which, which is incre- incredible. Like given given how buggy and crashy it is, and how like how much stuff doesn't work yet, mm. it's incredible um, and really promising. But it's it's kind of you're actually using a beta for what. Oh, beta. Yeah, I know. I, I, everyone says beta. Act- I should, I should, I should get on the beta thing. It just sounds. <laughs> it should be spelt like B A T E R. 
Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not how we smell it. Spe- smell it. Smell I it. I have to bounce between both. I get right. Between. Okay. Um, but like you're actually using it for that. Like we yeah. obviously I I do a lot of gaming related stuff and the games industry. Although it has betas, betas, mm. it doesn't actually. The the beat the betas are used as a like, hey, early access. You get yeah. if you pre-order, you get access. So like, they're a fear of missing out device to sell the product. Yes, yeah, a marketing thing. And then when yeah. the product actually launches, mm. that first month of the final product being launched is their beta. You know, yeah. Um, Electronic Arts releasing Anthem earlier this year, and it was. It was trash. It was like unfinished and mm. like a buggy, buggy mess. And but they were big companies are like, well, yeah, if we lose twenty percent of the player base, that's fine because they've already fucking paid. Yeah, which I think is a, a frustrating thing. And it is really nice to see you all working on this in mm. an honest way. So when you say it's buggy, it's because you're honest and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important. It's, I think especially when when you're kind of building something for musicians as well, that you know there has to be like an extra level of honesty. That, yeah. Um, because you know, I mean, the, the most you know the most important people for for us to kind of you know for endless to become a success is, um, you know, practicing musicians. Mm. Um, and you know, we we have we have to kind of it's important for them to be on the side. Mm. Um, and. Uh, so we've got, you know, we've got discussion threads going on. We've got this Discord server because basically we don't we don't have any social stuff in the app yet. It's mm. literally you can just join a jam, which you have to find from somewhere outside. Either you have to be invited with a, an invite code or you have to find one of these like invite links on the internet. But once you're in the app, you can't find any other people. You can't find any other jams. Yeah. Da, da, da. So we've got this Discord server where our kind of like hardcore users are um, congregating to meet up with each other and share jam invites and mm. share ideas and so on. And, you know, so we've got conversations there, you know, people are talking, people are like asking about monetization. And so, you know, I'm, I'm literally there posting about like what our ideas are about how to monetize it and, yeah. and stuff like that. So, which is quite, yeah, it's pretty unusual for a- we Obviously me and you have talked to a bunch previously about monetization, but it's, it is the best way to monetize a product is the way in which the people who are going to use it make money want to do it oh right okay do you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. like having the people who are actually using the app say you know what i'd be willing to pay for this feature or yeah in this way at least means you can be honest about that rather than again going back to gaming and using Mm. you know some some games deliberately slow your progress through the game or make the game ever slightly harder yeah. to encourage you to buy a XP booster or yeah. a currency booster or whatever just to make your experience a little easier. Yeah. And it's like, wait, so my game is worse because I haven't spent more money. Mm. You know, like that's not how it's meant to work. Like things in life are meant to be, I enjoyed that so much, I want to buy the T-shirt. Yeah. I, I feel like that's what you're doing. Is well, the, that, yeah, that's what that's what we yeah that's what we're that's the goal. So already we're seeing you know we're seeing there's a few really hardcore endless users who are kind of clubbing together and sort of kind of goading each other on to become better. And they're sharing. Mm. Someone someone um, uh, opened a, a channel on our um, on the Discord called like Higher Teachings, where you know people who really you know these kind of like ten hour a day types yeah. are sharing all these little tips 
that have like weird things that we didn't even know that the app did. Yeah. You know, kind of like weird bugs. I mean, if you do this and this and this, you can get it in this state and do that. Yeah. And then you can get it to do this. Um, <clears throat> so, so there's already a culture of kind of like almost like sporting excellence mm, mm. emerging. Um, so, um, and I think, you know, the people, you know, once we have all this social stuff and discovery stuff, and once we have a kind of like TikTok style, um, you know, front page, when you, when you download the app from the app store, like the first thing you see is like a bunch of riffs and you can scroll, scroll through and it says mm. like, this riff was made in collaboration with these people in this jam. And then you're like, Whoa. you can go onto another mm. riff or you can explore those people or you can explore that jam and get, you know, get into the rabbit hole that way. Then, that basically the, the the whole value like at, at the sort of top end of it what's going to pull people in is just the amazing riffs mm. that's going to be your first contact so like if you know when you get when you first get into football you first get into football because um you know you see it on tv and you see some amazing goal from some amazing player and just like wow that looks so cool i want to do that i want to do that um and and then and then you sort of get into this whole the fun end the fun mm. end of football where you're kicking around a ball with your mates and it's fun and it's social and your skills get better. Mm. Um, but, you know, so like football, you know, these footballers, f- footballers get paid a huge amount. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say that our top endlesses are ever going to pay a huge amount. But, you know, if if it all works out, you know, you know, my, my, my dream is really to kind of turn that, you know, that there's an opportunity to turn music making um, into something a bit like a sport, mm. but like a create like a creative sport mm-hmm. somehow where where you, you know, you can you can see people doing amazing stuff but it's not <clears throat> it's not about the the result it's not about kind of like making some track yeah. like what is the result it's just kind of the document of what happens so when you see one of these riffs on endless it's just like oh wow that was that sounds cool and that sounds like a cool magic moment um, yeah. and i want to get involved in cool magic moments so i want to start to up my up my game as a jammer it, it, the, the it sounds like the um the joy of kicking the ball rather than the end result of where the ball goes. Like yeah. inspiring people to like, that looks like fun. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is an interesting one. Like obviously I've, I've used the app a bunch and um, it's almost too easy. Uh, like <laughs> I, I suppose that's partially I've got experience, mm. but genuinely think there's uh, the way it's built once you kind of learn just the way round, I don't. I think a lot of people who have never made music before. Well, I've got proof mm. of it. There's one of my Twitch subs is uh, Hi Tom. Um, but he uses the app, and he had mm. never made music before. And he mm. he jumps in every couple of days, and he has a little noodle. And he he said to me the other day, he's like, I don't know why I'm not going to make anything. And it's like, well, yeah. Well, that's you don't have to know why. Like, yeah. Are you enjoying it? It's yeah. like. People spend a vast amount of time on their phones and devices playing Candy Crush or whatever. Yeah. And I would like, personally, I would like music making or painting or any of the creative arts to be Candy Crush. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no, I mean, that's exactly, that's exa- I mean, that's like such a great pitch for what Endless is mm. right? on, on, a, on a certain level. I mean, obviously... You know, we also want to incentivize like really good music makers yeah. to come come along and master the master endless and bring their mastery of other things along to just mm. become a true badass. But you know, I, yeah, that's exactly what I see it as. It's like can, Candy Crush, 
Mm. It, it occupies that. It occupies the same life space as Candy Crush. It, it's it's a it's a funny one because we use our phones to distract us. You know the amount of time in your day where you're looking at your phone for no mm. apparent reason, and it is really nice to be able to uh, use that distraction time and actually feel like you've achieved something mm. that isn't about getting a number to go up. You know when you're on yeah. Twitter. You're writing a tweet because that you're aiming to get followers yeah. or yeah. likes or whatever. Or I don't do that really on Twitter. I just cry. <laughs> I just complain about the music industry, knowing <laughs> that the follower count will go down. Yeah, no, but, I, oh, I hate that experience. I, I do, I do get swayed by the follower counts. If I if I post something goofy, my follower count goes down. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I used to um, I used to have an extension for Chrome. I can't remember what it was called now. That hid all all the followers, oh, yeah. the numbers, yeah, off off um Twitter, which was actually quite nice. Because yeah. then you weren't, you know, and I I like I I never look at the reactions. I only go to mentions on Twitter. So. Yeah. I'm not seeing just everyone hitting heart or retweet. I only see if someone says, hey, Dan, you're a dickhead. Um, yeah, which happens a lot. Does uh, it? I, because of... Uh, I do. I do. I, I follow your tweets quite... Because I, I like your tweets and I follow them quite closely. So, so what happens now and again is I'll, <coughs> I'll dip into... Because I've got friends in the like more anarchic YouTube community. So right. I might dip into something over there, but... There's people who are actively out there just looking to attack uh, right, people yeah, in there. Yeah. And because I've got the little blue tick next to my name, that yeah. means you're, oh, okay, he's worth attacking as well. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So you do get that, which is fun. Yeah. But if you don't follow me, I don't respond. That's my, yeah. basically, if someone's already following me, I know they know me and des- yeah. deserve some form of response. But if yeah. they're just tr- salt farming on the internet. Yeah. I'm, 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 all, I'm, I'm always like... I think I'm over diplomatic sometimes mm. online. Uh, I'm, I'm I get very. I remember like on, pro, on project project Rockpool like um, so we've got this Facebook group yeah. that we that we launched. Um, is, no, we, the, is the Facebook group still active? I think so. I mean, full disclosure, I, I've just been massively busy, and I've um, you know most most attract. Well, my eyes are on the Discord channel these days because a lot of people country. have come over from. Rockpool I think a lot of people come over. Yeah. Endless. So we had this Facebook group that we started kind of when we started researching Endless. Um, and then, you know, as it, you know, the idea was, yeah, it was always going to be like a separate thing from Endless. So we didn't want to kind of like own it, but we um, wanted to start this space where we could kind of talk about the bigger questions about music, etc. cetera. But um, Noel, who's um, our designer, um, he posted something, you know, he does quite a lot of posting of, mm. um, on, on behalf of Endless. Um, and he posted something about the uh, the gender balance in electronic music, mm. and just like why is the gender balance so imbalanced? And um, you know, I've, and when I saw that, I was you know, I was as soon as I saw that post go up, I was just like, this is not going to go well. This is not going to go. This is well, not yeah. going to go well at all. Um, but actually, weirdly, so 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 yeah, it did so, it did sort of kick off a bit, um, and then a few of the kind, you know, a few of the trolls piled mm. in when uh, you know there was some there was some sort of quite um you know some quite sort of robust mm. um uh, criticisms of the gender imbalance and then there were some some robust defenses and then the trolls came in 
Um, and then, if, you know, a couple of people got banned. <laughs> but then, but in the end, it sort of turned, it kind of turned around all all right. I mean, but I, I remember doing a sort of like a diplomatic post at the, <laughs> at the end. It's, it's really awkward because like um, when you're trying to create a product as such, when you're mm. a business, obviously you don't want to ostracize people at the same time as you still want to re- represent your values, you mm. know? And it's that it's trying to find that line. You know, like Burger King at the moment getting... Obviously, this isn't going out for a couple of weeks, but Burger King getting shouted at for um, mm. posting that they're still selling milkshakes. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and it's like... <laughs> it's a really enjoyable tweet because it mm. is Burger King saying, like... Yeah, put, putting their hand up yeah. For, yeah, for a certain side of the argument. For a certain side of the argument. and mm. then But there's a huge amount of people on the other side of the argument say, oh, this is encouraging political violence and all this. And it's like, well, if we, we're meant to accept a uh, European candidate's rape jokes as mm. jokes, mm. you now have to accept Burger King's milkshake joke as a joke. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. can't have it both ways. But it's not, I mean, that's that's... That sort of what, it's just never going to be. It's never going to be like that. And that's that's the whole. That's a whole sort of like weird sort of uh, this strange sort of infantile zone that we're in, mm. where it's just you know pe- people from one side of the argument get het up about something. And I, I, from my personal experience, I just think us as boys have had like free reign over pretty much everything for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. when someone says. We should be doing more to encourage women into electronic music. That's not saying we don't want men in electronic music. That's just saying we want more women yeah, to be yeah, doing this. Yeah, you yeah. Know? There's no dialing down involved in that. Yeah. You know, not dialing men down, just you know, dialing dialing women up. I suppose. Yeah, if you can say that, is that, I think we can say that. I, 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 get, I, get, I get so kind of like. <laughs> I get so second guessy when when I when I speak on this topic. I'm just like, you know, but like, are you going to edit this? How are you going to edit this, Dan? This is going to be you're going to you're going to get slaughtered. The the women are coming. (laughs) The feminists are coming to get you. Um, But like, like it's a it's a really interesting. I complain less on the internet than I used to Mm. because I've become quite aware of the fact that in the old privilege bingo. I've done all right. I mean, I live in the West. Mm. I have a penis. <laughs> and I'm white. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah. done all right. I went to university. Mm. had to pay myself, parents. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> parents bashing podcasts. Yeah. Well, we were working class. So, like, and it's funny. And my, my It's not funny. It's sad. But my mum had just had a stroke oh. before yeah. I went. And then my, my dad was working so hard. He was a milkman at the time. Mm. And the cold damp bottles and then as as they heated up his hands just like they were messy like every line on his hand was like a, a crevasse oh, all split open so yeah i paid for myself because i didn't want to ask <laughs> yeah you know you're both quite fucked up at the minute can i have some money <laughs> you know wow but, but like yeah but knowing that i have some uh i have a head start mm means that I'm going to be less complainy. Yeah. I think that's why most of my complaints are focused in on companies misbehaving or, or like the the bullshit that Spotify say and things yeah, like that. Because yeah, that's yeah. something that 
that I can complain about, but if they fixed it, would benefit all musicians rather than yeah. just benefiting me. Right, yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. does no one yeah. book me? Oh, they keep booking women in front of me. No, <laughs> right, that's yeah, not yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. I could yeah. edit myself into sounding awful now. <laughs> um, talking about tech, a few times we've we've talked and you've just come off or just been going on like a tech detox, like four days away from yeah technology. What what's the inspiration behind that? Well, I mean, it, I sort of came, you know when. Uh, so I moved back from Berlin in 2010. Mm. Um, I was only in Berlin for three and a half years. And it's all, I, it, it all ties into this kind of, you know, the personal journey. But, you know, so, you know, 25 years old. I um, finally did my teenage phase. Um, How long were you in Berlin? Three and a half years. Because it's basically, uh, for you people who don't know, if you're doing anything left of centre in music, um, chances are, yeah. You can yeah. you can make it work in Berlin. There's a scene. There's venues. There's people willing to listen. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really cool place to kind of get something <laughs> left of center off off the ground. Mm. Um, so yeah, I sort of fled to Berlin to kind of get away from my conditioning, um, uh, and then started therapy in Berlin, and then kind of like all the you know all the flushed out all the demons, mm. told my family to fuck off forever. <laughs> um, and, and said sorry six yeah. months later. And then said, so, yeah, exactly, said sorry six months later and still feel guilty about the, yeah. uh, I mean, oh God, bless them, my poor mum and dad. I mean, to think what, you know, because mm. I did literally say, I'm not sure if I ever want to have a relationship with you. Oh God, it's just, <laughs> what a horror, I mean, what an arsehole. But anyway, you know, but we, the, we, we go through these things. We can. Like, we, like, and we grow, this, you know. Everything, you know, I've been in, um, I, this is the longest period in my in the last ten years that I've been out of therapy, out of any form of counselling. Mm. But I've been in and out for a long time, and I know there's stuff that I just built up over years and never yeah. challenged and never dealt with. And as soon as you get into it, that first sort of the first few months where you're still being defensive, yeah, are fine. And then when it when that when it hits, person actually gets yeah. you to say something true. It's like yeah. and the ice, the ice shelf, uh, the entire ice shelf falls off green. Yeah. and, <laughs> and you your world turns upside down. And you've been holding it all back for so long. You didn't yeah. have to express it at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, and but hopefully, like familial bonds are strong enough to go. Yeah. He was going through something. It's fine. Yeah, and they and they were, you know. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, that, you know, for me, it just never, you know, so I did therapy for three years of Berlin. I mean, I've done a bit of therapy beforehand, but I never really, yeah, I never got past that defensive stage. Um, and then I really did in Berlin. I kind of, you know, made a bit of a breakthrough. But it's weird, these kind of like therapy breakthroughs you make, you, you know, you make this breakthrough and for five days, you think that you've, you've solved humanity. Like, mm. not just your own pro- problems, but everyone else's. And yeah. now you know how everyone else should solve their lives yeah. as well. It's, like, it's horrible. Um, and uh, and then, you know, it's, you know, three or four months later, the old tendencies are back there. So it's more like, you know, you kind of learn to work with the tendencies you've got. Mm. Uh, and that, that as, like, a path of practice is just unending. Well, we talk about mental health as mental health, but I, 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 I suppose... It's a weird way of talking about it. There's really. an argument to call it, like, say, mental fitness. Like, yeah. and, and fitness, as we know, you, you go running and stuff. I, I occasionally walk up the stairs. Uh, but like, <laughs> This is the first one I've been to I've been for in like two or three weeks, just FYI. He, he literally just finished running. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, you have to work it. It's not something that just once you get your brain 
feeling good, it doesn't just stay that yeah. way. You have to actively approach it and, and yeah. deal with it. Yeah, and like all you know, all the sort of the the conditioning that um, you know, I mean, I've, I've done all I've done all sorts of stuff. You know, I've kind of, uh, God, that sounds like well, I've done all sorts of stuff, but but anyway, yeah, I was I, you know, I was kind of seeking into um, like getting into Buddhism mm. um, when I moved back from like, so I did like therapy thing in Berlin. Um, moved back to London, moved to this building that we're in now, um, 2010, and this is five minutes from the London Buddhist Centre. Yeah, and I was kind of like, I, my interest had been peaked in Buddhism. You no, know, a few years before that, I was just mm. like, yeah, this is this is there's something here. You know, I want to find out about it. So I anyway, started going on to the London Buddhist Centre, um, got more and more involved, um, and then like, cla- you know, the the classic. Um, the classic kind of impetus to do any kind of like big life introspection stuff spent with my girlfriend at the time. Mm. Um, and basically classic, classic, classic. classic. And then so, so for, for, you know, for a while, like Buddhism kind of became my girlfriend. Mm. Um, and so I was doing that. I was going to the Buddhist center like three or four times a week. Um, I was going on retreats, mm. uh, you know, like five or six retreats a year. Um, some of them like long silent retreats, like Vipassana style. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then I became a Mitra. Um, actually, funny enough, my neighbour, literally my next door neighbour, who is next door right now, he became a Mitra last night. Oh, wow. It's this wonderful, it's, a, oh, it's an amazing, beautiful ceremony where you, you just come, you basically, it's like coming out as a Buddhist. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there's this whole ritual, you kind of go up to the shrine and you bow and you offer a candle and you offer a flower and you offer some incense mm. and they all symbolise different things but um, so yeah that... it, it's a non-dogmatic no it's not is it dogmatic well it kind of <clears throat> I think anything the thing is that you're what you're what you're dicing with in any kind of religious institution you're dicing with forces of you know, you're, you're like, you're going around, you're, you're opening up, you're sort of taking the top case mm. off uh, the human condition and you're dicking around with like horrible things like ego that can give you heart, you know, harsh electric shocks. Yeah. And then you're putting a bunch of other people who are doing the same um, in some kind of institution that is like necessarily trying to get these people to form some community and some kind of collective shared goal and shared sort of understanding of of the world that Mm. helps these people move in a direction that um will um you know improve their life or not necessarily improve their lives but improve their understanding and acceptance of the human condition um so there is just that's just inherently dogma i mean you know buddhism get you know it's i've you know i often hear people say that like you know out of all the religions you know buddhism would be the one i go for i i suppose i suppose with, with buddhism it just doesn't have as many like it's it's less provable and less arguable at yeah the and it's also it's also very it's also very kind of tool based it's a tool based mm. um religion and you know the, the buddha did say well i don't know if the buddha said but there are things there are like bits of paper that people have written stuff on that said that the Buddha says that um, uh, you know don't don't just take these um, practices uh, as you know as read try them out try Mm. them out in the fire yourself yeah yeah Um, so it is you know I mean you know basically the entirety of the you know the sort of like secular mindfulness movement which is massive nowadays with like Mm. headspace and calm and like you know everyone under the age of 40 has some kind of relationship with meditation these days it seems 
95% of those teachings, you know, come from stuff that was written down by the Buddha. I know, you know, I couldn't, well, written down by the Buddha, again, you know, with all those caveats about, you know, we don't really know who yeah. wrote it down, da 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 But, um, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all kind of down there, but it's, it's, it's very, it's very tool-based. And mm. once, you, once you get into the, into the weeds with Buddhism, there is a whole sort of theology and there's a, you know, mm. there's a big mythology behind it. But then, I mean, the other, so this, this is where, this is where you really get into the dogma kind of stuff. Uh, it's that like anything that any path that's trying to get you to kind of think outside your own life and think mm. outside this kind of very sort of like first person point of view. Yeah. The only way you can really do that is with kind of like, you know, myth and metaphor Mm. and and stuff like that and i think this is where all like the god stuff gets really confused because you know when i was a teenager i got i got into like hardcore christianity Mm. when i was a teenager um didn't go well at all (laughs) (laughs) and i kind of popped out of it uh angrier and more confused um but still you know there are readings and you know i have i've met there's friends of mine who are like very very devout christians um you know a, a family friend of ours who's an ordained you know ordained priest and you know i've met with her and i'm she's clearly like the the way that she kind of embraces the practices that she's learned uh, i'm 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 just super impressed i'm super yeah. impressed about how how she's um used it to change her life how she's used it to do good in lives around her <clears throat> but then there's always this this weird like kooky end <laughs> where you get into the whole mythology yeah um and you get into metaphor and archetypes and stories and, yeah. and myth and like you kind of need like after a certain point I, you I kind like, of need that stuff to lead you on to something bigger I, it almost feels like rarely does it seem to have like don't do that it's more should you do that yeah exactly it's you the consequences know. like yeah but i mean that's a, that's the law of karma but you know accident, yeah accidents uh, actions actions accidents <laughs> Actions have consequences, basically. But then, but then it also seems to carry with it that, well, it doesn't actually matter if this is true. That whether or not it happened, whether or not you truly believe it happened, doesn't actually affect the lesson it's trying to teach you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, what, like, the, the most important thing is, like, what does it do to your mind? Yeah. Um, and, it's, you know, so you could read... I mean, it, there's this weird thing, actually. when So at my kind of, like, peak Buddhism... Which would say probably happened like 2000, 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. It was definitely peak Buddhism yeah. for me. Um, and um, and that's also not to say that I'm you know I'm I'm definitely I have less time to do it nowadays mm. um, because I'm you know I'm basically I'm the founder slash CEO of a startup. So yeah. you don't get that much time to go and retreat. But you know it's something I do want to get back to someday. Anyway, um, at a um, certain point. When I was really, you know, I was really into kind of reading all the literature and doing all the rituals and going on the retreats. Um, and I started to read like my entire life, like everything that happened. Mm. Um, you know, your entire life starts to become a teaching. Mm. And like things that just weird stuff that happens in the street or just normal stuff that happens in the street become kind of like reflections about, you know, impermanence, about death. Mm. Um, or they become opportunities to kind of move towards a sort of compassionate way of thinking about things rather than just like, fuck you, I'm out for myself way of thinking about things, you know. So, again, I can't remember what point I was trying to prove, but it's like that it becomes... uh, Yeah, yeah, that's it. it, It's helped you have an understanding of the value of your own experience. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 also that it, it just goes so that you know if you you can train your mind to um you can train your mind to be angry. You know, if you mm. indulge your anger, you'll train your mind to be angry. This is what we're doing on well, online. Yes, exactly. This is exactly. The, exactly. The culture we're in there. and I'm yeah. I'm super guilty of it. Actually, like you're not going to be right when you're dead. All those phrases like life's too short right yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i was just i was thinking like oh well, yeah that sounded a bit like kind of sound bited didn't it you're not gonna be right when you're dead <laughs> but like life is too short to to waste time on, mm. on stuff but at the same time there's nothing wrong with using some of your life to try and make the world better yeah you know and also and also like I still waste time. I still catch myself wasting time and you know, mm. scrolling through Twitter or just doing things, just doing pointless stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I, there's so much that I've got to learn from how I waste time mm. for like how I could not waste time in the future. And that's not, when I talk about that, I, I'm not talking about like some sort of productivity, like 10 productivity tips, <laughs> tips on like how to power up your day, how to get 35% more productivity out of your day. It's like absolutely not that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's more like, you know, how... Uh, how can I like appreciate this like you know the gift of experience yeah. without wanting to sound too sort of I, I mean, it's that thing sometimes that you don't realise that when you perceive yourself wasting time mm. you might not be wasting time it might it might actually yeah. be you know when I'm standing in my kitchen for 10 minutes just looking out the window it's because my brain needs to be doing something yeah. and <laughs> looking out the window is entertaining me enough while my brain gets on with whatever it's got to do yeah you know it's like sometimes those downbeats sometimes those moments where you're just noodling that's fine because mm. you you need to do that you know i think we we're in this culture now where we're chasing the money chasing the the acclaim or whatever so hard mm. that we forget to actually enjoy you know I've got a friend, he might listen to this, he might not, who's working eight hours a week um, for a tech company and he's earning really good money. Mm. Yet, he's not been able to spend any of that money because he's mm. had absolutely no time. Now, thankfully for him, he's he's got a plan. He's set himself an exit point, which mm. is the day he comes out of debt, basically. Right, oh, right. You right. know, so he knows that I'm going to go through this for the next two years, mm. but there's an end. But yeah. there's a lot of people who don't, write that end in stone yeah and just spend 10 years stressed yeah i mean i'm definitely i'm definitely guilty of that i mean I, you know i i um I, I wouldn't say i have an entirely healthy relationship with work mm. um which definitely ties into this whole kind of wasting time thing and you know when sometimes you know sometimes i um it's almost quite comedy like i'll i'll be you know I've had a stressful day or something, you know, my girlfriend come back from work and I'll, I'll, I'll just like, as soon as I've got that frame of reference of someone else in the room mm. um, and I'm running around and says, oh, no, I'm too stressed. No, I can't, I can't do this. I've got to do these emails. <laughs> I've got to do this whatever thing. And you know, that may or may not be true, but um, what isn't true is like, you know, that tone of, <laughs> the tone of voice yeah, and yeah. That, 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 that kind of tone of being and tone of expressing it's yeah. totally, it's just totally unnecessary. And I can kind of see myself doing it at the time. Just like, mm. there's no need to be a, a dick like this. <laughs> but, but then it's just hard, especially when, you know, when you kind of, I guess when you, when you risk a lot, you know, which, which I have for Endless, I've, I've risked everything. <laughs> I've mm. risked everything for Endless. Um, and I've also persuaded a lot of other people to risk a lot of stuff as well. Mm. You know, it's quite hard. It's just, well, the, the natural way 
well, say natural way for me to respond to that is just get super stressed about it mm. and take everything really seriously and and you know, work way too hard and you know have um, you know unhealthy working periods and some you know there is a, a point in your day though where the work you're doing is a diminishing return you know you can only think creatively you can only think clearly for a certain amount of time each day yeah you know so it's um again back to the games industry with these sort of crunch periods they have the six months or a year before a game comes out where yeah. people are working these extreme weeks yeah and then games are still launching in a broken state and it's because a third of their workforce work hours mm. are people who are too tired mm. or you know you hear stories that developers of fortnite people were sleeping under their desks mm. in sleeping bags and then getting straight back and go you know you're not going to do your best work you know when you haven't seen your family or eaten yeah basic yeah. human sustenance is handy yeah you know yeah I'm a lot better at it. I'm a mm. lot better at it now. Um, and you know, a couple of years ago, I had a, um, I had a, well, basically, I was running Tim Exile Limited. You know, making pl- actively making plug-in products. Yeah. Um, selling them, doing all the videos, doing the shop, doing the marketing. Pretty much, every, you know, I had a, a, a bit of help on some stuff, but not really that much. Yeah. And I was pretty much doing everything. And I was running endless. And I was doing like kind of creative tech projects and like branded content things. And I was doing like some Tim Exile gigs. Um, and I was poor. Basically, all the cash that came from that like went straight back into endless, like paying yeah. everyone's salaries and stuff like that. Um, which, looking back on it, was insane. Oh, yeah, and I was managing a government grant as well, which is like... <laughs> uh, and it was it was brutal. And I, mm. I, I, to- I totally... I had a massive burnout. Mm. I've, never, I've never experienced... It's properly... Like, it's a physical mm. sensation. Um... And like weird anxiety, like I don't know, I can't. I it's hard to describe yeah. it. It's so. It's like I went. I went on a holiday with my, my girlfriend, and my family, um, and I went on there. You know, I went that holiday feeling like stressed yeah. and like, but but still, you know, kind of on it. And in a period of week, I just like I just like crumbled. It was mm. weird, and my my whole adrenal system went like, okay, we've given you. One strike, two strike, three strikes. You know, you've had the okay, you've had the back pain, you've had the the cold that didn't go away, mm. and now you've got the insomnia, which is decreasing from like six hours a night to three hours a night sleep. Mm. Um, and Wait, we're now to get more than three, Christ. <laughs> yeah, and then so you know, and then, and then it was just like right, okay, body, body was just like you're not listening, uh, we're shutting you down. Yeah, and so and that stayed. Yeah, I said two months off. I, I I'm. I'm truly amazed at our own ability to put ourselves through hell to to get to some perceived end goal. Some we have we build these ideas of responsibility in our mind that might not almost be there. Yes, I've got to make this work to pay my rent and feed myself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But I think we forget sometimes how many safety nets we have in the people around us, how many, you know, you know, like how much we could actually be, can you, could you just take this one thing off my plate for me? Or yeah. could you just reassure me that yeah. I'm, I'm doing this okay? You know, yeah. and all the cheesy, like taking that time to smell the roses, etc., etc. Taking time to smell your own farts, whatever. (laughs) Um, But they're important things. And that time is going to make 
what you do to earn your living better. Mm. You know, taking those though a break because you, like, say you you ended up crumbling and mm. you know you could have crumbled far worse than you did and never got back up again. Yeah, and well, everything's I mean, fucked. I thought, you know, you were talking about this whole support network thing, but actually, um, you know, I, I, like a couple of weeks after it happened, I was literally spark out on the sofa. I couldn't, mm. um, I, I couldn't even like really string a sentence together to the people I was sort of handing, you know, so a friend of mine, yeah, a friend of mine came in and sort of like just ran, you know, ran endless, just ran the team for a couple of months. Like amazing. I'm so grateful to him. Um, and, uh, you know, I was trying to hand stuff out. I couldn't, I couldn't even string a sentence together mm. about the stuff I was just handing over. It was nuts. And, um, and I spoke to a friend of mine um, who had been through a similar thing a couple of years before. Uh, actually, it turns out, like, so many people have been through this. Yeah. It's nuts how many it's people It's funny because everyone listening to this will, like, the episode that comes out tomorrow for us, mm. but two weeks ago for them... We we have the same same conversation. Darren Darren had uh, right. just before he started working with Ron the Jewels, he was done. You know, right. he had he had had that that collapse moment, and right. he was completely numb. And his as, as he calls it, his recovery came about taking the job on the second Run the Jewels album, and then having <laughs> Run the Jewels like aggressive upbeat beat soundtracking that yeah like he's he's basically rocky training montage of back to <laughs> i'm back to fighting shape but it's spoken to how he runs his business he's got mm. like, he's about to have nine staff but like he sends people home at, at six o'clock that's when you finish work you're right not, yeah you don't get to stay here and can, like if it's not done it can be done tomorrow yeah yeah and uh i think it I don't know. I think we we as a culture put so much pressure on ourselves to reach some unattainable goals, and the only real goal you should be aiming for is to go to bed happy. I don't even. Mm. I'm not. I don't even mean that you have to be happy all the time, but if you can just like get to bedtime and think, no, that was good. I did it. I did. Yeah. I achieved this one thing today. Yeah. Yeah. You know? but I think it's, uh, there's something kind of cyclical about it, like ha- you know, kind of um, accepting a, a cyclical nature of things. You know, like small, small cycle. You know, it's like breathing mm. is a is a cycle that lasts I don't know what, three or four seconds, um, and then you know, like a day's work is a is a cycle. But then also, you know, there's you know, in running running a bit, you know, running well, like my artist career, there was cycles of like you know, gigs and tours mm. and promo and like being a bit more in the spotlight. And then there's fallow periods and that goes again. It's the same with working in Endless, you know, we've sort of, we've just kind of come off the back of a bit of a sprint, um, mm. you know, launching the beta, beta, beta. Um, and uh, oh, I tripped myself up by trying to make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, yeah, you went through that sprint and now you... Yeah, and that, to... well, I mean, but that, that, that said, it's kind of like, so that's a tr- that's a tricky thing with startup life is is that um, you know for for me uh, you know as the founder I have to be careful like how I could, how to like yeah. do these cycles because these cycles kind of come pretty like thick and fast mm. it's just like right okay we did the launch well now we need to raise some funding uh, and uh, once we've closed this funding round we'll probably have to move on to the next one next one yeah um, so. 
but yeah, I don't know. It, it seems you know it seems to be working out at the moment. It's just I know I know that like if I feel like I need a day, you know, the, like the last four weeks, I think I've worked pretty much every day. The mm. last four weeks, in some capacity, apart from this weekend, went out to my girlfriend's family, and you know, so that was just a really good thing. I I felt mm. a lot of the weekend like oh, I really should be. You know, I knew there was like a bunch of emails and like a bunch of sort of potential investment conversations that I should be yeah. following up on and things, you know, leads and I shouldn't be generating and, you know, all mm. that kind of stuff. I was just like, no, no, no. I, I know if I don't go, like, let myself kind of go to ground and just... It's, it's, but it's a weird thing because, like, you not answering that email for a day or two isn't going to change that person's whether they want to put money in or not. You know, like people make up their mind. Like, mm. um, I can't remember what, who he was. I d- was reading about someone just yesterday and and, it, and the guy is a big, well-known investor, mm. but he was talking about all the things he said no to. And he was like, he said no to Snapchat. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and it, in the interview he's saying like, if they had said, uh, to, sold it to me as self-deleting porn, I would have put money in, but they didn't, <laughs> you know, like, and, but like, I think that happens yeah. with everything. Like, if you worry about what somebody else thinks or, or how to change their mind, then yeah. you're already I mean, I do, yeah. smashing your head against the wall enough as it is. I mean, it is, it is a bit like that in an investment round, though. You know, mm. there's I kind of hold out I hold out hope for all conversations until someone is explicitly like, out. no, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> the, the, it's, uh, it's no different to the like trying to get a record label experience. Yeah. Know? Me and Pip walking around going to like fucking Warner and uh, Universal and mm. all the big labels and then also having the smaller meetings and then you're like, who's going who's gonna to come gonna in? Buy. And yeah. Like one label were like, yeah, we'll sign you, but only if you change your name. And like, uh, you start, oh, could we have said something? Could we have done yeah. something? It's like, it's, it doesn't I mean, matter. It's the, it's the, yeah, it's the ultimate kind of like, <laughs> insecurity generator i mean i, I think oh it's a bit, yeah it's given me <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's a whole other level of anxiety to mm. to deal with um and it's, actually like now now third time out i'm a bit like oh, okay yeah i know like yeah. i know the stories that i'll be telling myself about mm. various people you know someone doesn't get back or you know you've got a good lead and then they and then they go silent yeah. and i think the weirdest thing about it is like you are so um in the mercy of fate mm. Um, you know, all you can do is like put the action in, do the best you can, um, learn from any feedback yeah. that people Which give you. Which comes back to what we were saying earlier, that success is often an outside influence. Yes. And you have no control over that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I 100% buy into that. But there's, I think there's definitely something like, you know, I, what, I, the, the phrase I like is that you make your own luck. Yeah. But you know. you're, or, or you're, you're prepared to react when the luck Shows itself in a sense. Like, yeah, getting yeah. yourself in that position that when the opportunity presents itself, that you can actually act on it. Rather yeah, than, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I really believe in the potential of you know music as a sort of like gamified creative collaborative experience that we can have that people can get really good at yeah. um, and can also be really fun. And there's a whole ecosystem like that. Like I, I to- I'm like I'm a hundred and ten percent sold on on that. Um, you said something in another podcast. Um, you're not meant to be good at the game. Like the, when you first play something, you, yeah, you're not there because you, yeah, you're instantly going to be the best in the world. You're there because you want to, 
you see someone doing something fun, then you want to do it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is why. This is why. I mean, I keep on coming back to football analogies, but like, this is why football is so massive. But that's also because you went to your first football. Match. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And then it was. Oh my god. <laughs> Brilliant! Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but it was. But then, like, you know, I kind of, you know, obviously, like, there is no one in this world who who doesn't have a relationship with football. Mm. Um, I, whether that relationship is like, I'm not into football, but you know, mm. that is a relationship to football. Um, yeah, for me, like, just uh, I was into football, and then like music pushed it out. Right. But I think I think it was what actually pushed football away was my penis. It was like, because music came in and then that obviously then intrinsically linked with social life and and women. And penis, right, yeah. And and women and playing football with my penis. No, (laughs) uh, but like, do you know what I mean? And it was just like this thing of like, well, I can talk to that girl about Portishead or I can talk to that lad about Bruce Grobelar. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Have you heard the new port, is it? (laughs) Yeah. I like your hair. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's true. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. Hey, there you are. How was that then? Uh, I really enjoyed that. We, we, we definitely are both ramblers. It was one of the more rambly ones, but we got to the nub of some creative ideas and it was actually really interesting to realize just how much work goes into developing an app like that when you're not a, a global corporation who can throw infinite money at it. I don't envy the endless cruise stress levels, but I do think they're at the start of something quite big. So yeah, show them some love at, at Endless on Twitter, uh, three S's. Um, show Tim some love. I think he runs at Endless as well, but at Tim Exile as well. I'm guessing I, I haven't looked. Just Google Tim Exile, um, and don't forget to check out the app. Um, like I say, either the Twitter, on my Twitter, just the thread, the pinned post for this podcast. We'll have a link to it in there or patreon.com forward slash Dan Lassac. The public post on there will be... have the link in there. I keep saying the public post. It's just because I'm, I'm trying to give you a place to go without it being me going, oh, if you give me money, you can have thing. Because I don't run my life in that way. Anyway, next time we've got, let's just say Scratchy Man. One of those people who's just offensively talented, basically. So tune in for that. Well, I, don't, I don't think I can tell you anymore without just spilling the beans on who it is. Um, but hit the subscribe button or the like. I don't know what the buttons are. But hit all the buttons so that you can get it as soon as it happens and uh yeah come to patreon do all those things i don't know i'm really bad at the self-promotion part of this it feels unnatural to me it's really unnatural um so i tell you what why don't you go do it for me on my behalf like go go tweet about the podcast retweet it post it on facebook tell your granny about the podcast she needs a bit of Dan Lassac in her life. Go on, you can do it. Well, on on that that note to get your granny involved, um, I'll, I'll run away. Thank you in advance for spreading the good word, and I'll see you next time.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.